We have a role at the Indie Vineyard called the Prophetic Discerner, and they sit over here in the, you know, side front of the church. And if you receive uh, what you believe to be some communication from the Lord that would benefit the church body as a whole, then come and see us and we'll discern on whether that was just for you or for the church as a whole. Uh, I'm going to invite up Sarah Carpenter, and she is going to share a very encouraging word for us this morning and then give us a little uh, faith step to do. During worship, I had a sense that um, the Lord was releasing ministering angels just walking um, among us as we worship. And some of the angels were anointing heads with the oil of joy and the oil of gladness. And others were infusing, like it, it looked like a, an infusion of joy that even the cells of your body and the bones of your body could feel it. Um, if that resonates with anyone, I just invite you to put, hold your hands out. You can raise your hands, whatever you'd like to do as an activation to receive what the Lord has for you this morning. And I'm just going to pray over us. So Jesus, Lord, I thank you that it is your good pleasure to allow us to share in your joy. Jesus, you were the most joyful among the disciples. You were the most joyful among man. And yet you car carried something that no other human could. And Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing this morning. I thank you that as you anoint heads with oil of joy and gladness, and as you infuse bodies with joy, that you are releasing freedom you are releasing new ways of thinking about things or relationships that have been problematic for us and that have plagued us. You're releasing new strategies. You're releasing health. And you are releasing increased intimacy with you, Jesus. So I thank you, Lord, that you receive our posture of receiving. You pour out as we receive. And I just bless each one that that is resonating with this morning, God, to know that you are making an actual, an actual thing happen, no matter how we may sense that in our bodies. And may we walk in faith, knowing that you are doing what you said you will do. And we just praise you, Jesus, and pray this in your name. Amen. I think it, um, the Lord wants to help us understand the word Savior. As we were worshiping, the Lord was saying to me that, do you really understand what the Savior means? The word Savior. I am the one who can redeem your body, your physical body. The Lord is saying to some of us, I am the one who will save your relationship. The Lord is saying that as a Savior, I don't only save the souls, but also save you while you are here on earth. There are many things that some of us are going through, whether it's job, <laughs> whether it's broken dreams, broken vision and the Lord said it is 
just listen. I'm not only your Savior, but also your Lord. God is saying to some of us to trust, trust, trust in the Savior. So if that is, that resonates to you, the Lord wants to redeem. The Lord wants to make it real that He is your Savior. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. Ask now, Lord, that the atmosphere of heaven will be released in this place. We touch now, Lord, the glory. For some of you, you may want to raise your hand and touch the glory. Touch the glory of God. Because He's our Savior. Thank you, Lord, for your promises never fail. And Lord, as we leave this place later on, Lord, that you will define and help us understand the meaning of Savior. Amen. Good morning again. It does feel a little empty without the kids, doesn't it? It's great to see the kids come and worship with us and to sort of be enamored by the creative process. Isn't that amazing? Like kids love to see creation. I think it's built in us. Like God's done that in us. He created us and then he told us to go and build and be creative because we imitate the creativity of God. So I think as kids and then maybe as older kids, we love it. We long for it. All right. Well, just as a reminder, you're at the Vineyard Sunday morning. Welcome. If you didn't know. Oh, thanks, Adam. <laughs> That's great. Um, and our mission here is to encounter the love and the power of God and then give it away to the world. And we hope and try to do that in uh, every time that we gather and send us all out to do that in the world. If you want to know more about the ministries that are happening in the church, there are posters out there and you can look at them, take a picture of the QR code, find out everything that happens here. Um, small groups are also out there, so you can see how to get a part of a small group. Those will be uh, starting up again in February, so I'd love to have you as a part of that. And if you don't get that email that Adam uh, sends, um, where's Adam? Stand up and flex. <laughs> it was a test. Um, talk to Adam, and he'll make sure that you get on the email list, because that's the best way to know everything that's happening here. One uh, little uh, personal promo, 24-7 uh, prayer begins two weeks from today. Yeah. Say that at three in the morning when you're walking in. <laughs> Some of you will. Um, Lent begins uh, uh, Valentine's Day, February 14th, 7 o'clock. We will have an amazing Valentine's Day Ash Wednesday service. You want to see one of those. <laughs> Every seven years, we try to figure that one out. Uh, come to Ash Wednesday, 7 p.m. We will have a, a little bit more liturgical and a little more quiet and reflective service as we go into Lent. And what we have done at the Vineyard for the last 15 years or so is during Lent, we take a portion of time, happens to be 40 days this month, this year, and we will pray 24-7 in that room back there. 
So um, if you look around the church, even today after church, you'll see posters up. We've just called it faithful because we think uh, God gave us a word from Psalm 37.3. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Psalm 37.3, yeah. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. So for 40 days, as we um, walk through this time of preparation to celebrate Easter, we will also celebrate and live in faithfulness. Faithful to God in worship, faithful to God in intercession, uh, faithful to God as we listen and confess, and then faithful to walk into the world with what he's given us. So we'll do that for 40 days, literally 24-7. On that poster, there's a, um, a website. The, um, the URL and the QR code will be in Adam's email this week, and you can sign up now. So you want to get in early to get those 1 through 5 a.m. slots. They go like that. Some years, they go like that. We have had people that would come in and just pray every day for 40 days, 2 to 4 a.m. Because that's when Jesus is here. So. Along with the other times. All right, we better move along. Uh, I got a warning. Uh, today's message may include an uncomfortable number of 80s music references. So... Listener discretion advised. Um, and if you can pick them all up and come up afterwards and tell me, I'll give you a candy or something. I will also refer to a lot of biblical texts, and I've got, I'll spout off a bunch of quotes. Um, uh, we're talking about love. There's a lot to say, right? Uh, but just as a reminder, all of our notes, every time anyone speaks, are on the website. So you can find those under the sermon and then resources, and all of our notes are there, every reference and questions for your small groups. Um, so my brother-in-law, Jason, is a pastor. He's a Presbyterian pastor in Ohio and um, has been for 25 years or so. His first pastorate was a really tiny church in, uh, should I say the name of the town? I will. College Corner, Ohio. College Corner, population 4, 8, 12, I don't know. Pretty small town. Um, and Jason was a relatively new pastor, and he was coming in right out of seminary, like, I'm ready to revive the church, you know. It was interesting, um, because I also have a gig on Sundays. I don't get to see him a lot um, speaking, but uh, way, way back early on, I, we were there on a Sunday, and I saw Jason speak, and so we're waiting for the message, Presbyterian Church, just picture it, all right, pews and the whole thing and stained glass and farmers and so forth and all of a sudden this music starts to blare and Jason comes walking down the aisle with this wig on and he's singing at the top of his lungs what's love got to do with this Tina Turner and he's like really doing it you know and he gets up to the pulpit and everyone's like we made a bad choice <laughs> I don't remember a single thing after that about the message, but I have never forgotten him coming down to Tina Turner. Uh, love will make you do some crazy things. I actually considered that this morning uh, and decided not to for a number of reasons. We are... <laughs> That's not nice. Uh, we're in a series called The Way of Jesus, and so we're talking about the way Jesus walked and some of his attributes um, that he is able to communicate to us so we can live those out. So we talked about the kingship of Jesus. We talked about the mercy of Jesus, um, the holiness of Jesus, and this morning we talk about the love of Jesus. As an attribute, 
that is obviously um, essential to, it is the essential characteristic of God. And so therefore the essential characteristic that the Son of God, Jesus, the perfect representation of God, gave to the world. And that's what he lived out. So that's what we're talking about this morning. Um, favorite theologian of mine uh, describes God's love as uh, that that explains God eternally gives of himself to others. The love of God, God eternally gives of himself to others. So obviously this is love that God can give to us and then we can give it away. We can imitate this love. We're called to walk like Jesus. We actually must walk like Jesus to be faithful disciples. Uh, Thomas Akempis wrote a little book called The Imitation of Christ, like literally one of the best sellers uh, in the last, I don't know, 500 years of books or something. Here's what he says. Our imitation of God in this life must be an imitation of God incarnate. Our model is Jesus. The Jesus not only of Calvary, but of the workshop, the roads, the crowds, the clamorous demands, and this, my favorite phrase, the surly oppositions, the lack of all peace and privacy, Jesus of the interruptions. Yeah. The divine life operating under human conditions. You know, probably if you've heard messages on love, you've heard of like there are four Greek words for love and um, that talk about friendship or affection or brotherly love or sexual love um, or God's love, the unconditional love, agape. So I'm not going to distinguish all of those this morning. I kind of want to hit the wide and the broad part where love is simply Jesus giving himself to us and our imitation of that love simply us giving ourselves to the world in the name of Jesus. That's how we understand love. When, when you look at our mission statement and it says, love and uh, encounter the love and power of God and give it away to the world, we're talking about that. Love that can be given. So we're going to look at a couple of scriptures, see what the Holy Spirit has to say, and then ask God what it might or what it should look like, or if you're from Texas, John, what it might could look like, right? What it might could look like if we were to walk like Jesus. To love is to give, practically. 1 John 3, 16 to 20, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. To love is to give practically. I don't think that's complicated. I'm not saying it's easy but it's simple. To love is to give very practically. I think what the Bible says is if you have and you see someone in need, the loving action is to give. I mean, it, it's very simple. Um, it may be that some of us take that too far, right? I'm not going to talk to you today. If you, if you do that too far, 
you know, be aware, come up for ministry time. I know that there is a time when giving too much can hurt. But the, the practical, the simple understanding of the scripture is if you see someone in need and you have means, the Bible says give. And I think we need to hear that this morning. Where does your gift meet someone's need? Where does something that you have meet the need of someone who has not? I think that's what the church is supposed to look like, certainly with the church, but also in the world. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book called Life Together. This was early 30s, um, right before World War II or in the midst of what Hitler was doing. And he was talking to believers about what does it look like for us to live together in love he talked about giving first as simply just listening to one another, just being together. And he says this, the first service that one owes to others in the fellowship consists of listening to them. Just as love of God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of love for our brothers and sisters is learning to listen to them. How many people in the world just need to be listened to? I don't do, I was going to say I don't do a lot of social media. I can't spell social media. I mean, I don't do anything. But why is it that so much goes out? Because people want to be listened to. People have things to say. They want someone to take them seriously. They just want to be listened to. Sometimes what people need from us is just a phone call. I just called to say I love you. Did you get that one? <clears throat> You're on your way to a chocolate. Just a moment to listen. Just a moment to stop. A text. I'm just going to show up. I'm literally just going to call and say, how are you doing today? We need that. We desperately need that. I talked to someone yesterday. They're in ministry, um, not in our church, in another place. As we were talking, this person said to me, basically, I'm lonely. They said, um, a few weeks ago, it was a Saturday, I got to the end of the day and I realized I hadn't spoken with a human all day long. I talked to my dog, I didn't go to the store, there was no phone call, there, I didn't communicate with a human. And they said, this probably isn't good. You know, God looked at Adam and said, it is not good for man to be alone. We need to be listened to. We need to be cared for. We need people to just stop and listen. We need to be those people. Not with advice, not with condemnation. I'll say it for me, not with a book recommendation. Oh, I know what will fix that. How about this? Not with, oh, you think that's bad? Wait to hear what happened to me, right? No, no, no. Listened to and understood. To love is to give practically. And sometimes that just means time. Now, sometimes that means money, possessions comfort to give it away. To love is to give practically. Do you have money? Pray, listen to God, and give. You have time? Pray, listen to God, and give. You have insight, wisdom, experience? Pray, listen to God, and give. You have spiritual gifts here in this church? Pray, listen to God, and give. Because to love like Jesus is to give practically. So think this morning, where 
To whom, in what way is God calling you to give? Because to love is to give, practically. To love is to give also humbly. Um, last two years in our small group, we went through uh, John, the upper room discourse, John 13 to 17. You know, it's the, it's, the, it's the events and the big speech that Jesus gives before he's, um, he goes to the cross. And uh, at the very beginning, this is how it starts in John 13. So this is John 13, 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to his Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, this is what the Bible says, he loved them to the end. So we're, we're just about to go into this, like one of the most famous speeches and interactions of Jesus with the disciples before he go, goes to the cross and then to heaven. And John says he, he knew he was headed and he loved them to the end. Now we know that's going to end up in the, um, you know, the greatest gift. <laughs> the greatest gift. I didn't mean to do that reference. The greatest gift of love, which is that he will give himself on the cross. But the first event that John records after this statement that Jesus would love them to the end is this. Jesus loved in humility. And this is uh, what it says. The meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he'd come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. John says he loved them to the end, and the first thing that happens is Jesus takes off his clothes, stoops down, and washes the disciples' feet. That's humility. That's, that's love giving himself to his disciples in humility. Judas is there. Later in the text, we'll realize Jesus knew Judas had already been tempted and already decided. So Jesus literally stoops down and washes the feet of the one who will sentence him to death. This is the one we follow. This is the one that says, live like me. This is the one that says, follow me. This is Jesus. He knew he had all power and all authority from God. So what did he do? He stepped down and he washed the disciples' feet. He gave in humility. You know, when we were going through that, I'm thinking it's a big symbolic act. It's amazing. Couldn't they just wash their own feet? Like, why did he do that? Why was it so important for Jesus to step, to stoop down? I think it was to show that the way of love is humble. The way of love is not authoritarian and exerting power. It's humility. Have you ever had your feet washed? How many have ever had their feet washed? Like by another human. Okay. How did that feel? Awkward. That's the very first word that comes to my mind. Humbling. Powerful. Like intimate. Oh, so weird. And that's what Jesus did. 
in humility, knowing who he was, knowing who would they, they would see him to be, he says, here's what I'll do. Let's make this a little weird. I'll wash your feet. Um, 15 years ago or so, I went with a friend to uh, southern Turkey, and we were doing some training with Iranian pastors that had come out of Iran. And so we were there in this setting, and we were teaching them. The people that know what it means to go to prison for your faith. And we were teaching them. And so we go through all of our teaching, and it was a good time. We worshiped. We watched them worship. We learned a lot. We taught a little. And at the end of it, they said, we have something special tonight. So I said, that's great, you know. And I'm thinking, Shodman, this is going to be a big Persian meal. This is going to be amazing. I can't wait. We walk in. They say, we're going to wash your feet. Dang. I wanted the rice. So uh, eight of us on the team, one by one, we walk up, and in front of everyone, these leaders of the underground church in Iran wash our feet. And I, yeah, I get that you felt it. I get the, t- I don't, I didn't know what to do. It was, it was awkward. It was humbling. It was powerful. It, to me, was ultimate humility. We know what you have, and we honor what you have in God. We know what we have, and we're going to give it to you and we're going to bow down, and we're going to wash your feet. That's love that gives humbly. Later in John 13, it says, Now that I, Jesus speaking, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Knowing who you are, humbling yourself, serving, even if it's awkward, even if it's strangely intimate, even if it seems to cross a boundary that feels uncomfortable. Jesus' humble gift foreshadowed his ultimate sacrifice, but it also revealed the humility that spawns and surrounds that love, the heart of Jesus comes out when he washes the disciples' feet. I've quoted this one before, and lest you think I'm smart and read a lot of Dostoevsky or other Russian authors, I don't, but this is a great quote. He says, There will be moments when you feel perplexed, especially in the presence of human sin, and you'll ask yourself, must I always combat it by force or try to overcome it by humble love. Always choose humble love. Always. Once you've chosen it, you will have what you need to conquer the whole world. Loving humility is a powerful force, the most powerful, and there is nothing in the world to approach it. Isn't it loving humility that saved the world? Humble love Jesus on the cross saved the world. And the one who saved us said, now you do it. Now I give it to you. Go off there. Go out there and conquer with humble love. Where does the world need your humble love? Where does your family or your workplace or where you work out or your neighborhood 
Where, where do they need humble love from you? To love is to give practically, and to love is to give humbly, and to love is to give sacrificially. Back to 1 John. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. To love is to give sacrificially when it costs something. Um, I'm not sure if there's uh, a non-church member that I've told more stories about than my neighbor Mike. And every time I tell a story about Mike, I go home and tell him, like, talks about you in church today. He's like, oh, shucks, you know. Two weeks ago, um, my car was kaput. So I, I pull in, everything's fine. Jane said, hey, meet me at so-and-so. I go out, nothing. Zero, nada, nothing. It's, uh, let's see, what was the temperature? Oh, 87 below zero. <laughs> Two weeks ago. <laughs> this is a, only a slight exaggeration. And I walk out, and my car's dead, you know? And we've got things. Jane's got to work the next day at 8 o'clock. i got things to do. Like, uh, I'm about as technically gifted as that pole. I just don't do those kinds of things. So what I have, my gift, is I have Mike. Mike lives across the cul-de-sac. So it's like 8 o'clock at night, 100 below zero. It's getting bigger and bigger all the time. So I text Mike, hey, Mike, my battery's dead. Do you have anything? <laughs> dot, 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 question mark. <laughs> and uh, Mike texts back real quickly. He says, yeah, I've got a battery charger. Uh, he said, I only have a battery tester, but i got a battery charger. So I'll open the garage door, come on over, we'll get it worked out. So I thank, praise God for Mike, you know. So I trundle across the, uh, the cul-de-sac. The, the garage door opens. I walk in. Mike as, is sick as one dog. I mean, he looks horrible. He's rasping. He's weak. I mean, you can just see he, he is not looking good. And I'm like, Mike, you are not well. <laughs> I'll just go home. He said, no, no, it'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> so um, he doesn't have a battery tester, but um, he comes over. He helps me set up the charger that will slowly charge the battery through the night and so forth. And um, in the end, it, it all works out and no one dies. Mike almost died. He almost gave his life for me. <laughs> but he didn't. You know what he did? He gave his life to me. He gave of his life. And Mike does that over and over and over again. For the last 12 years, he's done that. I, I doubt that Mike would come up here on a Sunday morning. Well, I don't think he'd come in on a Sunday morning. But I don't think he'd come up here and say, Randy, I love you. But he shows it all the time. Because every time I have a need, he's like, I'll be there. I'll do it. You need something, I'm on it. Big snow, walk out, driveway's clear. How come? Mike. Garbage can, falling over, garbage everywhere, gets cleaned. How come? Mike. Neighbors around. Well, who did that for you? Mike. I mean, he shows love all the time. He's, you know, he's got the love of God in him, and it comes out towards me. Maybe a little bit more dramatic. I'll tell one more story. The story of Telemachus. Got to put my glasses on for that one. 
uh, Telemachus was a monk in the 5th century, um, either Greek or Egyptian, I don't know that we know, but the story that I'm about to read is actually historically true. I tested it a bunch of times to make sure I wasn't up here doing something silly. Let me just read. So just listen. You can close your eyes like story time. Just don't fall asleep. In the fourth century, there lived a monk who had spent most of his life in a remote community of prayer, raising vegetables for the cloister kitchen. When he was not tending his garden spot, he was fulfilling his vocation of study and prayer. Then one day, this monk named Telemachus felt that the Lord wanted him to go to Rome, the capital of the world, the busiest, wealthiest, biggest city in the world. Telemachus had no idea why he should go there, and he was terrified at the thought. But as he prayed, God's directive became clear. Telemachus arrived in Rome during the holiday festival. You may know that the Roman rulers kept the ghettos quiet in those days by producing free bread and special entertainment called circuses. And during that time is when the gladiators would fight. In the midst of this jubilant commotion, the monk looked for clues as to why God had brought him there, for he had no other guidance. And not even a superior in a religious order to contact. He couldn't go to, you know, monk boss and say, why am I here? Perhaps, he thought, it's not sheer coincidence that I've arrived at this festival time. Perhaps God has some special role for me to play. So Telemachus let the crowds guide him, and the stream of humanity soon led him into the Colosseum, where the gladiator contests were to be staged. He could hear the cries of the animals in their cages beneath the floor of the great arena and the clamor of the contestants preparing to do battle. The gladiators marched into the arena, saluted the emperor, and shouted, We who are about to die salute you. Telemachus shuddered. He'd never heard of gladiator games before, but he had a premonition of awful violence. The crowd had come to cheer men who, for no reason other than amusement, would murder each other. Human lives were offered for entertainment. As the monk realized what was going to happen, he realized he could not sit still and watch such savagery. Neither could he leave and forget. He jumped to the top of the perimeter wall and cried, In the name of Christ, forbear. The fighting began, of course. No one paid the slightest heed to the puny voice. So Telemachus pattered down the stone steps and leapt onto the sandy floor of the arena. He made a comic figure, a scrawny man in a monk's habit, dashing back and forth between the muscular armed athletes. One gladiator sent him sprawling with a blow from his shield, directing him back to his seat. It was a rough gesture, though almost a kind one. The crowd roared. But Telemachus refused to stop. He rushed into the way of those trying to fight, shouting again, In the name of Christ, forbear. The crowd began to laugh and cheer him on, perhaps thinking he was a part of the entertainment. Then his movement blocked the vision of one of the contestants. The gladiator saw a blow coming just in time. Furious now, the crowd began to cry for the interloper's blood. Run him through, they screamed. 
The gladiator he had blocked raised his sword and with a flash of steel struck Telemachus, slashing down across his chest and into his stomach. The little monk gasped one more time, in the name of Christ, forbear. Then a strange thing occurred. As the two gladiators and the crowd focused on the still form on the suddenly crimson sand, the arena grew deathly quiet. In the silence, someone in the top tier got up and walked out. Another followed. All over the arena, spectators began to leave until the huge stadium was emptied. There were other forces at work, of course. And I read about it. There were other forces at work. Constantine is now emperor. They're, you know, he's a Christian man. They're trying to, to make some change here. But that innocent figure lying in the pool of blood crystallized the opposition. And that was the last gladiatorial contest in the Roman Colosseum. Never again did men kill each other for the crowd's entertainment in the Roman arena. That one gets me. To, to love is to give sacrificially. And honestly, sometimes that sacrifice is for a nation. Sometimes that's not just for my dead car battery, not just for somebody else, but sometimes for a nation, sometimes for a culture, sometimes for a people. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for a friend. To love is to give. It's to do it practically, it's to do it humbly, and it's to do it sacrificially. It may be that today you realize, oh, I, I want to give that love, but I don't know it. John says in, in his epistles, we love because God first loved us. So I just want to say in this particular moment where you, you, know, you feel emotion, if you've not experienced the love of God in Christ, then this is your invitation to find that kind of love practical, humble, and sacrificial, that Jesus laid his life down for you on the cross. And if you want that love, you want the gift of a relationship with him, you just tell Jesus, I believe. I believe. I believe you came. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again from the dead. I believe you are the son of God and you can save me from my sin. Let's go back to Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Like literally everything. Literally everything. It, it is the only word that the Bible says, this is the, it, this is the essential nature of God. God is love. And we receive it so that we can give it away. We love God and others because God loves us. We're loved by him. And his love is in us. So we can love like him. We can love with the power and the love of Jesus through us. I want us to have some time for ministry and to pray for one another. But um, Michelle, <laughs> she's like, you want me to follow that? Will you share your word, though, with us?
I'm always hesitant to go over there because it's like, maybe they'll just say what I had to say, right? <laughs> no, I've got it. You want me up here? So, God, I just thank you for what you're speaking this morning. And I thank you, Lord, that there's a message for each and every one of us, no matter where we're at. So during worship, when we were singing Holy and Anointed One, and we were just singing, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you. It was so beautiful and worshipful. And I, um, it felt like a, just a flood, like a tsunami of God's love wash over me and through me, and with it just brought peace and just freedom and joy. And I felt like the Lord, and I heard the Lord say, you love because I loved you first. And um, I initially thought, well, maybe there are some people here who love feels like a little inauthentic. You know, maybe you were singing those words and it felt inauthentic or hard. And the Lord wanted to speak to you and say that it's okay. You know what? You're... You, by saying, you know, Lord, this doesn't feel authentic, that's you being authentic and real. And the Lord does say he wants us to love in actions and in truth. He is calling us to love authentically. But the way to that is by first receiving his love for us. And then the other thing, just as Randy was talking about love and humility, I was feeling like, man, there might be some of us who feel like, you know what, I feel like I do love pretty good. And I think in our own power and in our own strength, we can, like, we can be effective. But I felt like what the Lord was saying is, yeah, but with, when you are operating out of my love, it's easy, it's joyful, it goes way farther than you on your own and in your own power. And so this morning, I feel like it's an invitation for wherever we're at in our, our journey with the Lord that he wants a deluge of love, not to wash us, but to drown us, yeah. right? We have been baptized we are dead to ourselves. We are alive in Christ. We are a new creation. It is not the flood that cleanses, but the flood that drowns. And we are raised again as people of love. And it's that love that is going to change the world. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well Let's stand. <laughs> well done. Okay. Let's stand. And if the, can you stay for a second? If the ministry, time, uh, ministry team could come forward, that'd be great. I'm just going to ask Michelle to, to pray for us for, for a minute. And I think the, the deluge of love, the flood of love is, is, is perfect. Yeah. Uh, Romans 5, it says, hope doesn't disappoint because, you know, he's uh, brought his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that yeah. he's given us. So we, we have been baptized in love, and then we get to go out and sprinkle all over the world the love that God has for us. So I'm just going to ask her to pray. And if you would like someone to pray for you, that today you can sort of discern from God, what does it look like for me to give uh, practically? What does it look like for me to give humbly in the world? What does it look like for me to give sacrificially? Then we want to pray for you and send you out to give the love and the power of God away to the world. So you can pray. Okay. Yeah. So, Father, we just posture and position ourselves, Lord, with open hands, 
open hearts and open minds, and we just say we want more. I thank you, God, for the deep, deep, deep love of the Father. And I thank you that that is for each and every person here. It is for the 8 billion people of the world, Lord. And God, you are reviving your people and it's through your love. And so God, I just pray just as just that that wave would wash over your church, Lord. I pray that we would be filled with your love from the inside out. We just say, Lord, that we are open and we love you. I thank you, God, for what you are doing in and through your people. I thank you, God, that you are at work and moving. So we just bless what you're doing in Jesus' name. All right, if you'd like someone to pray for you, come forward. If you know what God's given you and you have a, a commission to, to uh, give practically out in the world, then go do it. Go do it. So God bless you to go and to give the love and the power of God away to the world. Have a great day.